Have you ever wondered what people are saying about you or your brand? What they're saying about your competition? Who are the influencers in your industry? Did you know that there is one type of tool that allows you to understand all of this? That type of tool is called a social listening tool. And there's no social listening tool that I recommend more than Brand24. A lot of these tools are extremely expensive. Most small businesses and entrepreneurs can't use them. Brand24 actually starts at a very reasonable price for very, very advanced technology that will help you better track hashtags, access customer insights, get powerful, reliable metrics, and most importantly, never miss a critical mention because there's a lot more mentions than people tagging you in social media. So if any of this sounds interesting to you, go to neilshafer.com slash brand24, that's B-R-A-N-D 24, and sign up today. Let me know how it goes. I'd love to help you out on your social listening journey. Welcome to Maximize Your Social, actionable advice on how your business can maximize your social media presence. Now, the host of Maximize Your Social, social media author, speaker, consultant, founder of Maximize Social Business, the Social Media Center of Excellence, and the Social Tools Summit, Neil Schaefer. Hi, everybody. This is Neil Schaefer. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Social. I am out here in beautiful Boston, Massachusetts, actually in a building in downtown that is literally facing the state capitol. You'll have to check out my Instagram for a photo of this. And I'm actually in the offices of one of the gold sponsors of the Social Tools Summit, which unfortunately would have already passed by the time you hear this, but we'll be announcing that we're going to be doing another one of these in the fall, and hopefully we'll have them on board as well then. I'm here with the CEO of Curata. And you know what? Because I'm not good at pronouncing names, I'm going to have him pronounce his own name for you. Sure, yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, this is Pawan Deshpande, uh, CEO and founder of Curata here. Awesome. So for those of you in the content marketing space, you're probably familiar with the Curata name, the Curata brand, their product. For some in the social media space, though, that are moving from social media more and more into content marketing, specifically content curation, they're a company that should definitely be on your radar if they aren't already. So I want to just start with, you know, tell us a little bit about the company and the product and sort of your positioning in the market. Because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of content tools out there, but there aren't as many that really focus on the curation, which I know you've been doing for several years now. So yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we actually have two products on the market, but I, I'll give you a brief description of both, but I think the curation one is particularly relevant for uh, with regards to social media. So uh, our, our curation product, the need it serves is a lot of folks want to do content marketing, but they're often under-resourced. They don't have enough time in the day to produce all the content they would like. Um, or even if they are, they often don't have enough kind of diversity of perspectives in the content they create. So what our technology does is it'll go spider to the web for relevant uh, third-party content. So this is content that's created by you know, other bloggers, by that's posted on social media, that's from news sites, from journal articles. So our engine will go spider to the content. Um, the next thing it does is then it'll then use uh, machine learning. Um, so this is kind of like Pandora, where you can train it uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Here's what I like and don't like. It's it's very easy from the surface. A lot of complex stuff under the hood. Mm-hmm. It'll then bring in the content, organize it for you, and it's kind of like checking your email. You go through and spend about 20 minutes a day and say, here's the content I want to share, here's what I don't want to share, here's my editorial perspective, and I think that's very valuable to to add as well. Um, And then from there, when you publish the content, it can be scheduled, routed, templated to go to different channels. So it can go to content management systems, it can go to social media channels, marketing automation systems, email newsletters, 
APIs, go to Flipboard, basically anywhere you wanted to, and all link to each other as well. Um, so it makes it very easy to just have a continuous kind of rhythm on content on, on all your channels. Um, and then our second product we launched about a month ago is, is a content marketing platform. So this is a little broader, and, and uh, it's, it's independent of whether you're curating, creating, licensing, outsourcing your content creation. Um, it lets you manage the strategy, the production, the distribution, and the analytics of the content. It integrates deeply with uh, marketing automation and uh, CRM systems. Awesome. That's actually going to be a topic that a lot of the other tools vendors have been talking about, and, and some of our panelists as well, the uh, you know the integration part um, with all the different marketing automation systems. So that's the second product that I wasn't aware of, so that's good to know. I'm sure we'll hear more about the conference. So tell me about the, the content curation part. And I literally had a client call this morning where the client was saying, you know, how do I every morning spend all this time reading 50 different blogs and yeah. getting this information? So that's great that not only you have the system, the, the spider system, but also you have that algorithm. Yeah. So over time, you get more and more efficient. How does the process work where I want to post it to different sites with maybe different descriptions, different images, as well as, you know, have it pre-populate email template and MailChimp? Yeah. Just, I'm just throwing things out there. Sure, but sure. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that works for, for those that can't quite vision yeah. how much time this is going to save them? Yeah, absolutely. So, so to do all that, it's basically, uh, you know, editing metadata on the content and hitting one publish button and, and it'll automatically um, take care of this. So kind of the way it works is our engine will go find content out there on the web. Uh, it'll then automatically infer and kind of uh, sort out all the metadata. So it'll, for example, suggest a relevant image that was mentioned in the content, automatically uh, suggest what the headline should be, what the description text should be, automatically categorize the content, pull out relevant quotes from the content, uh, tag it with all the keywords, figure out the author who wrote it and their Twitter handle so you can mention them when you tweet it out. And it does a whole bunch of things like this, so it's all kind of teed up for you. And then what you can then do is come in and customize it. You can say, okay, this is categorized wrong. Let me change this, and our engine will learn from there. Mm. Or this is tagged wrong, and our engine will learn from there. Um, and then you can add your own editorial perspective. And then you hit publish, and it gets scheduled and routed to all these different channels. So how that last piece works, the, the scheduling and routing, is ahead of time, you go and bind our, uh, our, our, our software with all your sharing channels. So you would... Go and say, here's the credentials for my Twitter account, my LinkedIn account, my WordPress account, my marketing automation account. And then you go and set up different schedules for each. So, for example, I could say for Twitter, I want to share only Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Every two hours, I want to post something on there. And it could be a very different schedule for another channel. Um, and then you can define where, what type of content should go on that, that channel. So you could say only content that is about this specific industry that's been automatically categorized about this industry should go to this channel versus industry B should go to a different Twitter account. And then on top of that, you can then, when you go and uh, customize the channel, you can also set templating rules. So you can say, for example, if it's uh, to Twitter, mention the author's Twitter handle here. Or automatically put YouTube video links if we've extracted video in, in the tweet as well in, in addition to article links. So there's a ton of customization options. So you hit publish, and it applies all those rules that you've pre-built. And then in addition, you can then have another chance to customize it even more before it actually goes out and override any of those settings. And do you also provide analytics on all the content that's being shared? Uh, we do. We do, yep. So we provide analytics in terms of um, co the consumption of the content, um, so you know, page views, uniques, but then also how many social shares and, and uh, link click-throughs that content got as well. Um, and then our second product has much deeper analytics. It can report on leads generated by talking with market automation, how much sales pipeline, how much revenue is influenced as well. 
So for the second product, the content marketing product, what sort of content are your average customers using it for? Are we talking blog posts, white papers, ebooks, anything and everything? Yeah, I, I think it's yeah exactly those types of content. I think you know primarily lead with blogs uh, because that's probably the most voluminous form of content. Um, we have this framework we've built in the product called the content marketing pyramid. So if you imagine a pyramid, uh, at the very top is a, a key piece of content. This could be uh, proprietary research, industry survey you've performed. It could be uh, something as big as a, a a large print book that you've even you know put a lot of effort into doing. From there, you can then um, atomize your content, so you can turn that into a series of webinars and maybe an in-person presentation at a conference. From there, that can turn into a series of infographics and maybe a long-form blog post. From there, you can turn it into a short-form series of content and then uh, maybe contribute content to other sites. And at the very bottom is curated and social media content. And you can navigate up and down the pyramid. And what the content marketing platform lets you do is track all of that Wow. The whole pyramid as kind of one distinct content campaign um, from a management perspective for production, but also from analytics as well. I saw Jason Miller. I don't know if you were at B2B Marketing Profs last year in October. That's uh, I spoke there, and I spoke with Jason Miller sure. on LinkedIn, sure. and he brought up his, uh, you know, one of the things he's done on SlideShare. I forgot, was it the Content Marketing Playbook? And he went through that exact same process, and he calls, you know, have your, I forgot, he called it like big rock content. That's right. This is basically, you've created now a system. So I, I guess the question is, and I had a slide yesterday where I told people my own way of repurposing content. Starting from a podcast, I get a transcript, turns into a blog, create an infographic, create, you know, know, 20 different tweets from a blog and, and what have you, you know, similar approach. How much does your software actually handhold the user into creating all that content? Do you have a suggestion algorithm or is it basically saying when you create content, put it in this bucket and then we're going to create a general measurement, you know, bucket around all the content? How, what's the approach from a software perspective? Sure, sure. So we, we haven't announced it, but probably by the time the podcast goes live, uh, Jason Miller, he recently joined our advisory board. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, Congratulations. Oh, yeah. It's a great guy. Yeah. He's a great guy. And, and knowledgeable, obviously. But <laughs> yeah, and and, and his, uh, his book, I'd encourage everyone to check that out as well. Indeed. Um, but uh, in terms of you know, helping with the, the content creation process, um, our, our philosophy is kind of that people should use whatever tools and processes they're comfortable with. So if they're using Word or Google Docs or Photoshop, they can continue to use those processes. Um, what our, the value add that our system provides, and this is the second part of the content marketing platform, is really to manage and kind of draw the associations between those content together. So you can say that these are all part of one larger campaign or they're all designed for this particular persona and then providing analytics and reporting around there. So you can say this persona is one that we haven't uh, targeted well and it's not, you know, we're not yielding a lot of uh, leads for this persona. So that's, I think, the real value add. Not so much in the actual creation process. I think that's a creative process that Technology has, I guess, limited um, limited utility for. I think a lot of that just uh, is, is a very human process that happens outside of product. Well, it's interesting because I'm actually on the Social Tools Summit. I am going to be moderating the final, we call it a trender panel. So these are the actual, you know, people that are in the trenches doing a lot of this work. And I think that final step is one that I, I think technology can go f- further on and I look forward to seeing it happen yeah. not doing the creative process but saying based on the length you know using machine analysis to say you have you have three different lists of 10 different things here we recommend that you create three different infographics oh, out of these is this something that you see a need for in the market and, and yeah. that you're like uh, we're on an R&D basis working on absolutely yeah so I, I think our approach is, is, is data driven content marketing that's, that's what we want to get people to, to do data driven content marketing and I think right now where, the, where our technology is is that 
you can use it. It'll inform you. It'll, you know, rather than creating content on intu intuition, you have more of an informed intuition going into it. I think as technology continues to, to get more and more advanced, it's not just the intuition. It's a, it's a little more, it's more predictive in nature. So I think certainly that's where the industry is headed. Um, and, uh, you know, as a side note, there's, I think uh, technology can help in the creative process as well. Um, so my background is, is natural language processing, and my uh, I went to MIT, and my master's thesis was on automatic summarization of documents, automatically synthesizing tables of content. So there you go. <laughs> um, I, I recently read an article online that a lot of the, uh, I think, sports news stories and finance news stories we read online are actually written by machines. They just take the, the kind of metadata and sports scores and they synthesize an article that reads as if a human wrote it. So um, I, th that stuff is in front of us. So we just don't even know it's all around us. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And, you know, there's also a science, if you look at what makes content popular on BuzzFeed, yes. there, there almost does seem to be a science behind yeah. the yeah. titles and what have you. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because we sort of went deep into the product and deep into where you're going in content marketing. I want to now take a step back. For those of you that are still in doubt as to it, we talked about two different products. So yeah. I want to get back to the content curation product. Because sure, content curation, believe it or not, is still a new concept for a lot of companies out there. Yeah. And the large enterprises are already doing it, maybe for the smaller businesses. So, And you started your company several years ago when we weren't even talking about content curation. Sure. So how did you have the vision to understand the need? And for those that are still on the sideline as to the ROI of content curation, yeah. how do you respond when, when people ask you about that? Sure. I mean, I'm, for the naysayers that are still out there. Sure, sure, absolutely. So <laughs> So uh, when I started the company, um, curation wasn't a word. I mean, it was a word, but not in the context of digital curation. Um, so we were more aggregation-centric and, and you know, using a lot of the, the machine learning and natural language processing technology, we built this really good aggregation engine. And we started looking for good applications for it. And one of the early ones we found was for marketing. It wasn't called content marketing back then. It was you know, people were doing blogging yeah. uh, on behalf of brands. And we found that um, a lot of them just weren't able to keep up. Their blogs went stale. Um, and we had this really powerful engine that could find very relevant content, and uh, we found that you know we can help fuel fuel their blogs and so forth. Uh, and then from there, channels started arising. So Twitter, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, all these things started arising, um, and we started integrating with those. So and as we started working with marketers, they said we don't just want to aggregate content because uh, we don't know what's getting piped in, and what's showing up on the other end. We want more control over this, and we also want to add our own messaging and perspective as well. So that layer of control and, and kind of finesse made it go from aggregation to curation, and hence the name Curata. Um, and so, so that's, I think, how it evolved from kind of pure aggregation to, to curation. In terms of how I like to explain the value of curation for people who, who are rel relatively new to this, um, if you look at a museum curator, you know, what is their role in, in an art gallery, let's say? Um, their role is to go and find the best masterpieces from around the world. So they go kind of scour, you know, the world for the best uh, kind of piece of content or, or piece of art uh, on a certain s a specific topic or subject. That's what they're forming the exhibit around. The next thing they do is then they go and organize that content. So they decide how it should be hung in the gallery, which walls, what should go on top of what, how it should be lit. And then they annotate and add their own perspective. So the little, um, I think they're called didactic labels that are next to the content, uh, the, the paintings, they say, you know, who wrote it, who created the, the artwork, um, what the meaning behind it is, and that's their interpretation of it. It's, it's maybe not what the artist even intended to, to start with. And then the last thing they do is then they share it out to a broader audience. So that's very similar to a digital curation process. So you're finding relevant content, organizing it, contextualizing it, and then sharing it with a larger audience. And if you know what a museum curator does, 
they, a lot of them don't even have the ability to create artwork themselves. A lot of them don't know how to paint themselves. Yet they add a tremendous amount of value just bringing together other people's content. So I think in the digital perspective, you know, it's, it's very similar. You don't necessarily have to create all the content yourself. If you do, that's a plus. But you can add a lot of value just by bringing together other content. And on that note, if you look at the top sites that people go to, the top news sites, they all have a very strong curation angle. So mm-hmm. you look at Reddit and formerly Dig when it was at, the, at its prime, those are social curation sites. So they host very little of their own content. They're just bringing together content from other sites there. Um, you look at uh, the Drudge Report. That's not social curation. It's more expert curation. Matt Drudge is there for a certain side of the political spectrum, bringing together content, uh, putting sensational headlines, and, and people keep going back there. Um, and then, you know, even uh, automated curation, you know, aggregation, uh, Google News is one of the most popular news websites. And again, that's mm-hmm. not Google's own content, they're linking to other content. So I think, you know, a lot of people have a, a reaction to, to curation to say, hey, I'm driving people off brand to other sites, you know, doesn't this hurt? Um, and I think the reality is that if you're a trustworthy curator and you're continually delivering value, whether it's your words or someone else's, people will keep coming back to you. And, you know, now you're speaking my language. I was originally an art history major and, and did some internships in museums. So, yeah, I'm all over that. And in other words, it's bringing people into your museum, right, yeah. by using other people's content. And I want to ask you, there, there, we've seen a number of different sort of curation tools pop up that aren't – they don't do exactly what, what you do, but they yeah. do little things. And one thing – one tool that comes up a lot, yeah. especially when you talk about the ROI of content curation. Yeah. And whenever I mention this tool, people are like, of course, is Snipply. And I'm sure you've obviously heard of them, familiar with sure. them. Yeah. Um, what is your take on – and there's other tools. You know, you have Scoop It where yeah. it's their content. You're adding your view and you're publishing on your own blog or subdomain, whatever it might be. What's your take on curating content and sort of adding your own little your own little brand on it, whether it be a little Snipply thing or a Scoop It or whatever? Yeah, yep. um, yeah I, I think that's, that's very important to add your own perspective. I think you know, I, I've seen content curation evolve over the past five years or so, and – I think early on it wasn't necessary. Just bringing together content was was of a lot of value. Um, but you know, these days it's it's more competitive to get people's attention. You know, there's more and more content, and the people still only have 24 hours in a day. So it, people have to be very discriminative in terms of what content they choose to consume. And just bringing together content is not high enough of value, I think, to really cut it these days. So it's sort of become a commodity, hasn't it? It, it has. It has in many ways. But I think the 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 best you know, curators differentiate by what they choose, being very selective and being very focused on a certain topic. Uh, but then also that added contextualization, I think, is extremely important. Is that something that Curado is also that you can publicly announce that you're working on? Or Yeah, I mean, it's all it's been in the product for, for years now. So that's um, you, you can add your own contextualization in, in, in to any piece of content. Um, and there's very advanced templating options. So you can say, you know, um, I, I want my commentary to appear you know, next to the content, below it. Um, we also have a contributor role. So, for example, for larger companies where they want to have a set of influencers or perhaps their sales team add to the curation process, so kind of crowdsource it, um, you can give them each a bookmarklet. So it's similar to you know, Scoop It bookmarklet or, or Snipply. Gotcha. Um, as people are browsing the web, if they find something relevant, they hit this button, this window pops up, um, and the article is already in process, so you see all the metadata. Then you go and add, add your own commentary and you hit Submit. And rather than publishing it all the way out, it goes in this queue, and now the marketer comes in and says, okay, I, I like this article, so there's a second level of curation uh, before publishing it. So I'm curious with uh, the advent of employee advocacy and social selling, if you're seeing a, a new demand for that now across the enterprise. 
Yeah, uh, so I, I think where we see it is, is these like sales teams. You know, every, everyone in the company is cur- is is, is um, consuming content in some shape or right. form. But traditionally, marketing has been kind of the gatekeeper for the publishing process. And I think gatekeeper is probably the, the right role. But in terms of actually contributing and adding value, I think anyone in an organization should be able to do so. So um, that's, I think, where we're seeing, seeing some pickup. And it's not only for external use, even... We have a lot of customers who use our product for competitive intelligence. So internally, sharing uh, you know relevant content, and anyone can help contribute there as well. Gotcha. Well, good to hear that you've already had that. You have the foresight to build that sort of contextualization in your product. Yeah. So you know, hopefully, for those of you listening, and I sort of talk about content creation in a, in a different way. That if you're just talking about yourself, you know, what are you going to talk about? If you're not, if you don't have unique content publishing three times a day, and you want to tweet three times a day, yeah. what on earth are you going to talk about as a business? I'm curious, and, and obviously curation, I believe, is more important for B2B businesses, yeah. but also important for consumer-facing brands. Do you find most of your customers tend for the, for the content creation piece beyond the B2B side? Um, are there any consumer-facing brands that you work with that you think are good role models for how those brands can also use content creation? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we work with the B2B and B2C businesses. Um, we, we tend to have a more B2B focus, um, and I think that's largely because content, I think, plays a heavier role in the buying process for considered purchases. So people really have to research and understand what they're uh, what they're getting into before they make a purchase decision versus, um, you know, some B2C decisions have the same characteristics. Others are more kind of impulsive and, and don't require the same amount of content consumption. And so, uh, you know, within there, I think, you know, for, for B2C uh, brands, you know, a, a few examples of, uh, customers we work with, you know, right down the street, there's a coffee shop called the Capital One 360 Cafe. And uh, the idea... The credit card Capital One, correct? Yes, yeah. that's right. And it's really interesting. It's actually a coffee shop. So you go in there, you sit down, you have coffee. And as you're having a coffee, folks come up and talk to you about their banking services. Or, you know, they won't come solicit you. But you know, if, you're, uh, if you're interested, you can have that experience there as well. And so uh, what they've done is on the wall, they have uh, large flat screen TVs and they show information about the banking services, but every once in a while they show curated content that comes from Curata. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, so it's just, uh, I think that's a very B2C example of you know, social curation and how, how that helps stir up relationships for, for some of these other businesses. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. Now moving over to your other piece, the newer piece of the content marketing piece. So it sounds like if you have a campaign going where you really want to drive awareness or leads, whatever it is for a particular product, and you build a whole content creation campaign around it, sure. not something that you're, I mean, you, you might have an editorial calendar and you're blogging once a week. We're talking more about when you do your strategic eBooks, infographics all around this one subject for, for a targeted purpose, like, like Jason Miller talked about, sure. I'm assuming that's where, you know, I would want to use that product for. Is that, is that how you see your customers using it? If- for that, but also for the day-to-day uh, content marketing as well. So part of the product does include an editorial calendar as well. Okay. So people can manage the day-to-day content creation. Um, and it's not just about what's coming in the next few weeks, but maintaining a, a, a record of everything you've ever created, past, present, and future. Um, and this really ties into analytics. So you can know what's gotcha. worked in the past, what you're working on now, and how you should tweak that based on analytics, and then helping you plan going forward. Very cool. And those are, <clears throat> I mean, what we talk about, it's almost like you've built, and I, I found that the great social media tools vendors have done is they've built best practices into the tool itself mm-hmm. and, and lead you down the right route, right? That's right. That's right. And we have a lot of experience working with hundreds of you know, content marketing brands over the past few years. So a lot of the learnings and, and we try to lead by example ourselves. So we do a lot of content marketing ourselves and uh, you know, a lot of our learnings we've tried to bake into the product. 
Awesome. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, conversation. Anything else you want to add just about for those social media marketers that are listening to the podcast, anything else you want to add about just, you know, where you see content marketing, content creation going and, and where you see Karata going to, to, you know, help everybody out? Yeah, sure. I, I, I really see them as kind of, you know, very natural allies and, and uh, you know, to some extent there's, you know, convergence of you know, curation and creation. I think those are quickly converging as you annotate and add you know, your own contextualization, at some point that becomes active creation versus curation and, and you know, vice versa. Um, and and I think similarly, you know, social and, and content are coming closer and closer together um, rather than social just being a promotion vehicle for uh, content that's been created. Um, it can often become an input into the creation process as it does with the curation. So uh, right, I see right. a lot of similarities and synergies between the two. Awesome. I'm looking forward. I know that you have, and we could have talked for an hour here. So I'm sure you have a lot more to share with the Social Tools Summit. For those lucky to have attended, hope you enjoyed the conversation and look forward to keep in touch and seeing, you know, how a content marketing evolves and how Curata evolves. So thank you for your time today. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Neil. And uh, to everyone around the world listening, I'm signing off from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts on a uh, sunny spring day. Wherever you are in the world, make it a great social day. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Maximize Your Social. We appreciate all of your iTunes subscriptions, ratings, and comments. If you would like to appear on this show or recommend content, please contact Neil Schaefer at neil at maximizeyoursocial.com. Please also make sure to check out Neil's new community, the Social Media Center of Excellence, at socialmediacoe.com, as well as Neil's first social media event, the Social Tools Summit, which will be in Boston on May 12th and in the Bay Area this fall. Thanks again, and make it a social day.